I want to read um, Mark chapter 5 and verses 1 to 20. Mark chapter 5 verses 1 to 20. And the title, if you're taking notes, I've just titled it, Look What the Lord Has Done. Mark 5 verses 1 to 20. Yeah, I think everybody's near enough there. Okay, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gersins. I think that's how you pronounce it. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he, he had uh, of being chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name... Don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man, man went away and began to tell the people uh, of Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Look what the Lord has done. I'll put that there so if I spill water it won't go on it. No. Look what the Lord has done. Today, I'm going to look at three points. We're going to look at what demons can do, as we've in the reading. We're going to look at what demons can do, what the Lord can do, and what you can do. You see, the, the world that we live in, and, and, and you know, John touched on it in his prayer, the evil that's going on around the world. The world that we live in is a very hurting world. 
It is hurting. Here in our text, we see that a man was hurting. He was in a dreadful shape. He had demon troubles. You've got to feel sorry for the guy when you read it. Read it again in your own devotions, that, that story that's in the Bible. So number one, look what, the, look what demons have done. Okay, who, who was this man? Well, we don't know much about him, sadly. But we know that he was somebody's son. Obviously, he had a mother. He was somebody's son. He was somebody's relative. He may have been somebody's husband. He may have been married. And look at him now. He may have even been somebody's daddy. And there he is, struggling with life. Here we see him bound by demons. Notice what the demons had done in verse 3. It says, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. This man lived in the tombs. What are the tombs? Where people are buried. It's like the graveyard. We have graveyards. They are tombs. He lived where the people were buried. He lived in the tombs. He lived among the dead. That's where he was, among the dead. He lived in the tombs. He lived in a graveyard. Even today, Satan likes to keep us in the tombs. If you let him, he will keep you in the graveyard. And he's happy with that. How does he do that? Well, Satan likes, to, likes us to hang around with those who are spiritually dead. And Satan wants them to influence us. He wants, us, he, he wants them to drag us down. We need to be on our guard. We really, as Christians, need to be on our guard that we're not pulled down. I once saw a sketch in a church and it stayed with me uh, since and if anybody wants to pinch this sketch, you can use it. I just charge 10% commission. I saw a sketch where a little boy was handcuffed, handcuffed to a dead man. It took ages to find a dead man. No, I'm kidding. It was a lav, really. It was a pretend dead man. It was handcuffed to this pretend dead man. The little boy was told to raise his hands and praise the Lord. But guess what? He couldn't because he was handcuffed to a dead man. He's told to get out his Bible and read, and read the word. But he can't because he's handcuffed to a dead man. He couldn't raise his hands. He, he was handcuffed to a dead man. He's told to come to church. But he can't because he's handcuffed to a dead man. This is how those who are spiritually dead can influence us if we aren't careful. They can influence us and they can, we can become handcuffed with them. They can drag us down. They can prevent us from practicing even the basics of Christianity. Satan likes to get you to live amongst the dead. I'm not saying we shouldn't mix with people that are not Christians. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be on your guard. Satan likes you to live among the dead. Verse 4 of our reading says, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Poor guy. You, you know, when you read that, your heart has got to go out to this guy. He's, he's a normal person like us, but he has these demons inside of him. Nobody could subdue him. No man could tame him. There are a lot of people today, men, women, and young and old, who have violence in their lives. They have violence in their lives, and it doesn't matter what people do, it seems that nobody can tame them. Just like this guy. It seems that nobody can do anything with them. They have a man that is set on destruction, and I know a few people like that, and I'm sure you do, who have got the man set on destruction. It doesn't matter what you do, That's what Satan does. Satan wants that. He wants to destroy people. He wants to keep people in the tombs. He wants to subdue people. That's what demon does. That's what Satan does. You know, violence against people. Violence, turning families turning against each other. It's going on. It's sad when a family self-destructs and they, they fight and argue against each other. And I know that goes on today. And it's heartbreaking for parents or for uh, sons or daughters. But notice what else the demons had done in verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. Bless. What a sad state to be in. He was continually crying night and day. Crying. Night and day. Notice how many people are crying today. Tears will stream down their faces. There are families. There are people crying out today. Tears are going down their, fa- their, their faces. How many people do we know who are in this situation? See, God's already moving. He's touching hearts this morning. They cry over what Satan is doing to their dads. They cry over what Satan is doing to their mothers. They cry over what Satan is doing to their children. They cry over drugs, the drug addiction. They cry because they can't get out of the situation that they're in. That's the truth of today. There are hurting people outside. The young prostitute crying in a courtroom because her babies have been taken away from her. That's going on today. She wanted to get out of the prostitution, but somehow she's bound and she can't get out. Why? Because that's Satan bounding her. We are in a crying world, and I want you to realise that today. People around here in Beverly are crying. We are in a crying world. But you know, is that you remember me preaching a couple of weeks ago uh, and the title was but God and here's the but God but God says I'm going to wipe all tears from their eyes amen Amen. verse 5 it says he abused himself he was cutting himself with stones it was self-abusing He was filled with demons and he was cutting himself. He wanted to destroy himself. He didn't like what he turned out to be. 
So he started self-abusing. He started to cut himself. Why? Because he didn't feel worthy to live. He didn't feel, he didn't like his body, so he cut himself. And sadly, this goes on today. This goes on in Beverly. This goes on in Withensee, where I work. This goes on in Betton Pidsey, where I live. This goes on today. People are cutting themselves. They're self-harming. They're abusing their bodies. Why? Because Satan tells people they are worthless. Suicides in young people is growing. There are many people suffering with anorexia. They're starving themselves. There's people suffering with bulimia, where they eat and then make themselves sick. Why? Because Satan tells us that we have no self-worth. And if Satan's telling you that this morning, tell him to go to hell. Sorry. (laughs) He puts it in our mind that we are nothing, that we are ugly. And that's what he did to this guy. This guy thought he was ugly, he was worthless. So he cut himself. He cried night and day. I brought you a good sermon this morning, and I a lot of smiley faces. But let me tell you, if Satan is convincing people that you're worthless, that you don't have any right to live, if Satan is telling you that you don't have any self-worth, then remember this, Satan is a liar. He is a liar, and he will lie to you. He is a liar. Let me tell you, you are precious in the sight of God this morning. Each and every one of you are precious in the sight of God this morning. Go home and look in the mirror and say, I am precious in the sight of God. That's what the devil's done. Look what the Lord has done. We might get into a nice, happier now. Lift you up a bit. Sorry. I'll speak speak to you later. Look what the Lord has done. Notice what Jesus can do. Verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to me that you won't torture me. This man saw Jesus far off, and the demons cried out. It was the demons who were frightened. The demons cried out, Don't torture us. The demons were afraid of Jesus. Amen. Satan trembles at the name of Jesus. Amen. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of this man. In verse 8 it says, For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then in verse 9 it says, Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion. (coughs) For we are many. Jesus said, what is your name? The demon said, my name is Legion. Now, a Roman legion was made up of 6,000 men. That was a legion, 6,000 men. So here it suggests that this man was possessed by many. The demon said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Some say, some Bible scholars say that he had 6,000 demons in him. That was, a, that was a legion. That's why he was called Legion. I don't know where you stand on that. It doesn't really matter. This poor guy had demon problems 
There are demons who can't wait to drive you to destruction. But remember, Jesus is the deliverer. Get with Jesus and pray with Jesus. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus commanded those demons to come out of that man and they came out. Notice what else Jesus had done in in Mark 16 verse 17. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. You see, there is only one name that Satan and his demons bow down to. And that is the name of Jesus. They have no problem with that. They, they, they shake when they see Jesus. Jesus uh, commanded those demons to come, out, to come out of that man. But notice how Jesus did it. This man didn't have a psychiatrist or a counselor. And but I, I thank God for, psychiatrists and, uh, for psychiatrists and counselors. They do a great job. But this man at the time didn't need that. This guy didn't need a psychiatrist or a counsellor. Jesus didn't go to him and say, well, go and do six weeks at the counselling and you might get better. This man didn't have a doctor. And again, I thank God for doctors. I really do. But this man at that point didn't need one. All he needed was Jesus. And they came out of him. Remember, the people saw this man. The, the people who knew him in the area would see this man. They knew him. Uh, they, they would see this Maniac who would strip off all his clothes and he would run naked in the streets. This man who no one could tame. This man who cried night and day. This man who would cut himself and mutilate his own body. The man who was driven by demons. People would know him as that. When Jesus dealt with this man, the people saw this man sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Here he was, he was clothed and he was in his right mind. But look where he was. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. When was the last time you sat at the feet of Jesus spiritually? Get in prayer with Jesus. Sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, you remember the story of Mary and Martha. And Martha was in the kitchen doing all the cooking and getting everything prepared. And Mary was sat at the feet of Jesus and Jesus said that, You've chosen the right part. That's where Jesus wants you to be, sitting at the feet of Jesus. So these people saw this raving lunatic now in his right mind. This tells me that there is no one who is beyond the touch of Jesus. Believe that. No one is beyond the touch of Jesus. Don't write people off. And I've heard Christians do this. Oh, I'll give up on him. I give up on her. And they've said that. But look what Jesus did for this guy. Don't give up. Keep on praying for people. Don't write anybody off. Jesus can change the hearts of anyone. Okay, thirdly and final point is look what we can do. In verse 19, verse 19, it says, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. Go home, Jesus said. Because in the reading, the guy wanted to go with him. And I could understand that. He's been healed by Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. Get with Jesus. And he wants to do that. But Jesus said to him, no, I want you to go home. I want you to go home. You see, our faith in God should affect our home life. He wanted him to go home to show what God had done. Our 
home life should affect our families. In 1 Timothy uh, 8, verse 5, verse 8. 1 Timothy verse 5. Verse, I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. Amen. Paul says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Ouch. Paul says, if we don't care of our, if we don't take care of our own family, then we are worse than an unbeliever. You see, for me, this is how it works in our house. This is how it works for me. It's the Lord first. The Lord first, then my family, then the church, then anything else. You see, God has put you with families, and we are responsible for our families. So for me, it's God first, then it's my family, then it's the church, and then anything else that I do. You see, when we are saved, Jesus said to this guy, go home. When we are saved, we need to turn our attention towards our homes. We need to be telling what great things the Lord has done. And he has done great things. He's done great things. Because you are saved. You are here and you are saved. You know, just tell the great things that he's done. Tell how God has done, changed you. When we are saved, we need to turn our attention towards our homes, telling the great things that God has done. I have asked some people in the past, you know, to give their testimonies. But some have said, well, I don't know how to. I don't know how to give a testimony. And some even say, sadly, I don't have one. Some say, I don't have a testimony. I I can't give it. But you see, they're overlooking the obvious because it's simple to give a testimony. If you are saved this morning, if you know the Lord is your saviour, then you have a testimony. Why? Because you just tell what the Lord has done. That's a testimony. Tell people about the difference that Jesus Christ made in your life. Look at your life before you as a Christian. And look at your life after. That's your testimony. And I'm telling you now, a testimony grows. Because each day, Jesus changes us that little bit more. Tell how Jesus has changed you. Tell of his great compassion that he has. Jesus said to, the go, Jesus said to go home, tell your family. And I say today, go home and tell your family. Go home and tell your friends. Tell of the Lord's compassion. Tell of his care, of his concern about you. You are telling them only what the Lord has done for you. But also, you're telling them what he will do for them. Tell them what the Lord can do for them. The Lord Jesus Christ is full of compassion. Amen. That's why I'm here. This is why you're here. Because Jesus is full of compassion. Remember, his love, God's love has reached me. And his love has reached you. God's love and compassion can reach even the hardest of hearts. As we saw today in the reading. It can reach the hardest of hearts. Okay, I'm going to finish because time's knocking on. But Look what the Lord has done. Look what he did for this guy. 
Read it again in your own uh, devotions and you, you'll take a lot more in. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord's done for you. Keep reminding yourself this. Look what he did for this man in our reading. Look what he's done for you in your life. He's made a big difference, hasn't he? If you're honest, you can look back and think, ah, you know what? He's made a big difference in my life. Then take your thoughts wider and look what he can do for others. As I said earlier, there is a town that is hurting out there. There is a town that is crying. There's a town that's cutting themselves. There is a town that is bound. Everywhere we live, everywhere we go, there are Peter. Uh, Pete, Peter. There are Peter. It has. Been it has. There are people, even, who are hurting. You have a family who is hurting. Tell them what the Lord has done. And can I just say, if you don't know the Lord is your saviour, then why not today make him saviour of your life? Amen. Next time I'll try and bring a happier sermon, eh? <laughs> Thank you. Let us just pray. Father God, as we looked at your word, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you'll just help us to look at ourselves. And Father where we've let you down, Father Lord, yet that you will give us the strength to do your work. Father, we know that there is a town out there who's hurting. Father, will you make us strong? Will you fill us with your compassion and peace? Make us like lions, Lord, as we go out to reach people. Lord, give us the confidence to tell our families and our friends that you can make a difference, Lord. You can make a difference for us and for them. So, Father God, will you bless us, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.